We are humbled that not only are we known before you, but we are accepted. We are humbled that you have these great thoughts about us. As many as the sons of the sea on this earth. We thank you, our God. Thank you for your great love. We love you as well. And as we turn to your word, you have said that all scripture is profitable for all of the different things that complete us and so as we talk about this particular portion of scripture, touch our understanding that we may comprehend the scriptures. For us, we have decided that these scriptures are our portion. It's what we feed from. It's what we place the emphasis and focus on. And we know that we cannot go wrong because this is what you desire. So release understanding. Lord Holy Spirit, speak more and beyond the words that will come from these vessels. And take us to another level. In the name of Jesus Christ we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Once again you're welcome. It looks like we are entering the winter season in Uganda. Mm-hmm. A, a, a time when jackets come out of the closets. But, but there are some men who do not feel cold. They call themselves iron bars. <laughs> okay, we continue to learn from the life of David. Really, the life of David is a foreshadow of the life of Jesus. You take a good look at David and you will see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see yourself. So, so David is a shortcut to our lives. We can see ourselves or learn from his life and uh, follow almost the same path. We saw the man as a nobody. Completely unknown. Out in the field. Something that we almost can all relate to. And we saw the Lord bring him out. Make him a somebody with his skill of playing the organ. And recently we see the Lord take him beyond just being a somebody to being a hero in Israel. A man who is known all over Israel. A man who is loved by Israel. In other words, a man who had come 
in his time. The Bible says that God makes everything beautiful in its time. And at this time, David is a beautiful man in all of Israel. But we saw that when you come in such a time, one of the key qualities that you should have as a leader is called prudence. 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 For prudence. Kubanga Bible is Prudence. Pastor Ed Wagamba. And we learned some lessons from uh, last Friday about prudence. Of course, looking at David, we saw that prudence stays in its place. We saw that prudence behaves wisely. We saw that prudence sees the evil eye. We saw that prudence covers shame. And we saw that prudence discerns the enemy's traps. I want to continue with prudence. And let's finish this last 10, 12, 13 verses with this word prudence. The things that we continue to learn about David that relate to prudence. And as we talk about them, please receive them, open your mind and know that you need this quality in your life. It's absolutely important for you as a leader. Number one. Or should I say number six Continuing from last time. Prudence doesn't exploit. Prudence doesn't look to take advantage. Prudence is not opportunist. doesn't look to, you know, to exploit is to take advantage of a situation or of people. Okay. Prudence doesn't look to exploit. Uh-huh. It does not look to uh, take advantage of situations and take advantage of people. Verse 17 has said, Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battle. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at that time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite. 
Now, something is very strange about this portion of scripture. Something should strike you as odd about this portion of scripture. You know, Saul coming to David and saying to him, I will give you my eldest daughter as your as your wife. What do you see about those scriptures? What do you see? What strikes you as odd? This is what we read in 1 Samuel 17, 25. So the men of Israel said, talking about Goliath, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches. Will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. When Goliath stood Strong and big against Israel. Before he was slain, the king made pledges. Three pledges. He would give great riches to the man who would kill Goliath. He would also give his daughter to the man who would kill Goliath. And give exemptions from taxes from to the man who would kill Goliath? Now in this chapter, Goliath is dead. But has the king fulfilled what he pledged to give? Had the king already said, given the things that he said he would give? He did not. Instead, he comes to David and he says, I will give you my daughter to be your wife. And the amazing thing is this. David had not forgotten the pledges that the king had made. But when the king comes to him and says, I will give you my daughter, David says, who am I and what is my father's family that I should take your daughter? That is odd. That is strange. Because another man would have said, not only should you give me your daughter, you should give me exemption from taxes for my father's house, and you should give me great riches. Because you promised these things. But David says, who am I? What do you think? Why didn't David claim these pledges? Why didn't David claim the pledges that the king made for the man who would kill Goliath? What do you think? Why? Yes, he was prudent. Now, let, let me tell you why I think he did not go to claim for the pledges. Because when David threw the stone that killed Goliath, it is not David that killed Goliath. It is God that killed Goliath. And so for David to go and begin demanding for these things and say, you see, I killed the man. 
would be exploiting the victory of God. He would be taking advantage of something that God has done to get things for himself. And so the man says, no, it is not me who killed Goliath. It is God who killed Goliath. I am not going to take advantage of God's power to get things for myself. That's what it means to exploit, to get things for yourself, depending on what God has done. And if you guys are careful enough to see, this disease has eaten up the church. Ministers, pastors who take advantage, who exploit God's victories, God's work, God's mercy. They take advantage of the things God do to make sure that they make themselves very rich. There is a lady and I think Mbona remembers this lady. She had some sort of either ulcers or fibroids in the stomach. She was really suffering. So one day she's on the radio some other pastor is praying and the pastor says take your hand and put it on your stomach she puts her hand on the stomach and she gets healed instantly she heals and there's no more pain no more fibros, no more ulcers. she goes to the pastor who was pastor in the church in the neighborhood and she tells him pastor this is what the Lord did for me the guy on the radio said touch your stomach I touch my stomach and I healed and the pastor said come on Sunday you are coming on my pulpit and you are going to give the testimony that it is me who prayed for you and you got healed. And he planned to take her to the radio and to TV so that she could say that this guy is the one who prayed and this lady God healed. So when the, the sister said, but Musumba, should you do that? Eh? The pastor said, what are you saying? What am I saying? Don't you know how to make now, money? That is exploiting the miracle that God has done. A man taking advantage of what God has done to get himself a name and say it is me and get all of the followers and all of the money. A prudent leader does not take advantage of anything that God does. You do not do that. In fact, the one who takes advantage of what God does is called a hireling. Because 
But I have seen that hirings don't actually get the full blessing of God. I've seen it. They may get a few things here and there and there, but the blessing that is full, that one grows old with, they do not get it. And then I want you to say something else. Not only did David say, I am not fit enough to take your daughter. Even though he deserved that woman. He refuses to take the king's daughter. Because he did not have bride price that befitted the, the, <laughs> the daughter of the king. The man who could have simply said, okay, if you want to give me your elder daughter, okay, I will take her. But he says, who am I? Where am I going to get the devil to give you a full king so that I can take your daughter? Another man would say to David, You are a fool. The king is giving you his daughter free of charge. And you are beginning to worry about dowry. Just take the girl. But David says, Mm-mm. I will not exploit the situation. I will not take advantage of what God has done and where God has brought me to take a woman when I have not paid bride price for her. Now, man, you, you hear the Bible says that this is a man after God's own heart. That's what it means to be after God's own heart. A man who will not be quick to grab things for himself and say, He wanted the king's daughter. But the guy said, I will not take her unless I have enough dowry to take her. Tamutwala Kujakonga Kumutwala. Let me tell you one thing that saddens me about the church. When it comes to marriage, people want to take people's daughters for completely nothing. They just want to take them for free. And I always tell the young men that I work with, that is a no-no. Listen to what David himself says. This is, he would say this later on in his life. First Chronicles 21, 24. First Chronicles, Chronicles 21 But King David replied to Arauna. No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or a sacrifice. Or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. <laughs> you guys, you, you know this story, don't you? Eh? 
The angel of the Lord had just been going through Israel. Yes. He ends somewhere and the Lord says, build there an altar. David goes to see the owner of this place. And the owner says, I will give it to you free. You are a man of God. You are the king. And David says, I cannot take anything that has cost me Nothing. How many people like that do you see in the world? And he looks like his grandfather Abraham. Who was looking for land to bury his wife Sarah? They told him, oh, you are an old man among us. Take and he said, no. Name the price and I pay it. I always think a blessing is waiting for people like this. A lady comes to a group of gentlemen she says, the Lord has told me to give you this land to do the work of the Lord here. This group of gentlemen begin to jump and say, the Lord is good, the Lord is good, the Lord is good. And they begin a work in that place. And when the work was beginning, so she began to come and say, now this one, this one is asking for this much money. She comes again and says, but now you see the LCs, they're asking for this money. She comes again and she says, now the children, my own children have ganged up against me. He must give them some money. And in the end, she had taken more money that could have bought the place. This is a I was there. I saw it with my eyes. A prudent leader never looks for free things. Because I guarantee you there are no free things on this earth. Even the king, I've given you a mile here. After that, they come to you. <laughs> Send your wife to the king. <laughs> but you guys, I, I really want to be serious on this one. Even if I end on this one, I, I have seen ministries die because people are looking to take advantage of things. Ministers who have failed in their calling because they are looking for advantages, they are looking for openings, opportunities to grab things. If he is going to use you, kindly do not take anything for advantage. Don't try to look for things to snatch and exploit things. Number two, prudence attracts others. Now Michael Saul's daughter loved David. 
And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, he shall be my son-in-law. So the first daughter Merab is given away. David does not quarrel. He had every reason to quarrel, but he does not quarrel. He simply keeps quiet. Yes. Now, another daughter of Saul falls in love with David. And this one is not your everyday kind of girl. Because when her father got to know that she has fallen in love with David. The Bible says it pleased him. Uh -huh. This is the one that I will give him. Because she is going to be a snare to him. Why? Saul knew her daughter pretty well. Saul had studied her daughter, his daughter very carefully and he knew all her character. In fact, I think Saul was surprised that Michael had fallen in love. Because he knew that she is a snare. But the Bible says that this Mbazuru of a girl that this troublesome woman fell in love with David. And this is before he even says anything to her. The man is minding his business, he's fighting his wars, he's killing his ten thousands, and the girl falls in love with him. She may have been troublesome. But she knew prudence when she saw it. And she knew that if you are going to get married, you better get married to prudence. Because if you take trouble plus trouble, what will you get? <laughs> Even her knew that, man, this is the guy. And that's the amazing thing about simply being prudent. Because Pastor Ed defines prudence like this. A mixture of skill and good judgment. Someone who is who makes good judgment. They are cautious. They are stable. They are sound. But they are <laughs> and the amazing thing is this thing that doesn't get talked about so much is what people are looking for when they look in your life. They look at you and they say, mm, there is something about that person. A girl comes on my streets I am at my workplace. She is the most beautiful girl the world had ever seen. When she walks to the canteen to buy chapatis, everyone is looking. The canteen man wants to give her free things. We 
all we are seeing. We saw how many people tried to give her a lift. And I saw how many lifts she denied and she decided to walk. And when I looked, I saw prudence. <laughs> and I said, this prudence cannot escape me. Now, you, you guys, you are not yet married. Some of you are not married. All you have to do is exhibit prudence. All you have to do is to be a one upright person and people will see you and people will flock and they will come to you. They will see you, they will admire that, they will be drawn to your prudence and they will simply come to you. You dare be prudent, my daughters. And you will have to choose among them because they will just keep showing up. They will just keep showing up. That's what prudence does. (laughs) Five children happen next. Number three, <laughs> prudence sticks with its values. Prudence sticks with its values. Or prudence maintains its stand. Verse 22 says, And Saul commanded his servants, he commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke these words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, in this manner, David spoke. So Saul realizes that he cannot get David. He just can't get him. The guy is too prudent. He's too wise. He employs the old time weapon of the devil. He sends other men. Go and tell him for The king loves you. You are loved. You take the girl. And David says, no. I have said and I have said. This is my stand. This is my value. I cannot be changing that which I believe. No matter how many people may come around to try and convince me to do otherwise. If someone comes to you and says, you know, if you do this, we have a brown envelope for you. And you refuse the first person. The devil is going to go and get many other people and you will find so many other people and they will say, why don't you do like this? Don't you know things? 
And they will try to convince you. In fact, they will get people who are closest to you. People who are your friends. And they will come to you and say, Let's just accept the guy. He's, he's a Muslim and he has three or four, but he will love you more than the others. Prudence stands its ground. If you have decided, you have decided. If you have decided that there are some things you cannot do, Please don't do them. Maintain your stand. That is called a stable person. Eventually, people begin to see them and people come for counsel and advice from that person. Say, that person does not change, change. You cannot change them when they are decided, they are decided. Is it a wonder that God would go on to use David this much, the way he used him? Number four. No, before we go to number four. Psalm 15 says this word. And I think we all know this psalm, even if you don't turn there. He says, who may abide in God's tabernacle? Who may dwell in his holy hill? And he says some first words there, someone, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Then he describes that person. He who walks uprightly. Amazingly, it's David who is saying, these are the same exact words. If he's not, please tell me. And works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. This is what I was looking for. He who swears to his own heart and does not change. He who swears to his own heart and does not change. Oyalaida, bialaida, nebimusura mitawana, neina tachuka. Nebuafiwa tachuka. Hallelujah. Number four. Prudence knows when to fight and take ownership and possess. Prudence knows when to fight and possess. Verse 25. Then Saul said, Thus shall, you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but 104 skins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines, and David brought their four skins, <laughs> and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, 
as a wife. Hallelujah. Now, it took Saul a while to figure out David. He realized that David was declining to take Michael as his wife because he wanted to give bride price. So he says, don't give me bride price. All you have to do is get me a hundred four skins of the Philistine. <laughs> oh my good Lord. Now, the, the funny thing about that <laughs> is no man is going to just give you their foreskin. Here, you take to the king and, <laughs> and get yourself a wife. How many of us? But no. Saul knew <laughs> that David would be killed trying to get Four skins of a hundred Philistines. For him, this was a way to look for a way to kill David. To eliminate David. And so he tells him something that should surely have brought him to death. You go and have a discussion with Philistines and see how you get their four skins. But if, if you bring me a hundred of them, Michael is your wife. Tell me, let's say it is you. What would you do? What would you do? Because most men would say, Oh, that one I have failed. How can you go against a hundred men? That but, wife? No. But the Bible says, it pleased David. Why did it please him? What do you think? Why did it please him? Why? Why is it that something that should have frightened other men pleased David? Because he knew his God could help him kill those men. Uh-huh. He was able to pay the bride price. I do not know why it pleased the man. But I think for him he saw that this was an easier thing to do. This was bride price that he could pay. Besides the Philistines were enemies of the Lord. And in his prudence, he decides that this I am going to do, I am going to fight, I am going to get not 100, but 200 for his king. And he goes out and he fights. Now, me, I have been mistaken all of my life. But then, it took me a while to understand this truth. That humility, goodness, wisdom, and prudence is not being shy and, and being there, there like that, and being a towel that everyone steps on you. 
For me, it was always a hard thing to say no because I didn't want to offend people. Because in, in a perverted way, I thought that is the way. If you do that, then you are good. So people begin saying, oh, he has no trouble. He's, he's okay with things. And I have found that many people have that, that perverted view of, of humility, of goodness, of prudence, of simply being someone who accepts everything that comes. No. Prudence does find a time to stand up and fight. Especially when it's fighting for what belongs to you. If it belongs to you and God has given it to you and you get the, the go ahead from the Holy Spirit that it's time now to fight get up Situka. go and fight go and confront whoever you must confront go and face whoever you must face one of the, the hardest things that we have in uh, in church or even in the nation is land issues for some reason everyone wants to take every other person's land. Even the people that were entrusted with land to keep for, for kids who are growing up when they, they want to take it. Relatives are stealing inheritances from people that are their own relatives. If it is your inheritance, it was left to you. Get up Go to that guardian. Say that land was given to me. I would like to have my land. Please give me my land. Face whoever you must face. Otherwise, the Lord will give you things and the devil will come and snatch those things from you. So do, do not let things pass by. You think you're being good and you say, Bambi being good to help someone not to lose their job. Stand up and fight when you should. Number five and last one. Prudence brings high esteem. That's Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. How did he see it? How did he see it? How did he see it? Because it can be seen. 
Yeah? It can be seen that the Lord is with you. How is it seen? How did Saul see that the Lord was with David? He saw the prudence of the man and he said, the, God, the Lord is surely with this guy. And then his daughter, whom he expected to be a snare to the guy, instead loved him even more, and probably for that time, the character of this girl changed. And listen what the Bible says. And Saul was more afraid of David. David had never come to him with a sword that Saul, I am going to cut you. Neither had he ever told him that I am the king who is going to replace you. In fact, he was his servant. But the Bible has said that he behaved more wisely than all of Saul's servants. And the man feared him. And the Bible says, he became his enemy continually. Not just one time. Continually. Every day he became more envious of David. Every day he became more envious of David. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. A guy who did nothing to this man except serve him. Do you know that there are going to be people like this to your life? People who are going to be afraid of you and become enemies with you when you have only served them. People who will continually become your enemies. When they see you, they say, When they see you, I hate that person. Why doesn't he get out of <laughs> the here? The first job that I got in an audit farm, I went to the office and one guy said, he looked at me and he said, Oh, you know, come office. You have to get out of here. What have I done to this guy? When people begin to hate you, for nothing, don't you go and kill yourself and bury yourself and say, Kakatinza and Chaira Chole Menokuri Medicu. There are people who are going to hate you because the Lord is with you. And amazingly, there may be people who are even close to you. Your boss. Looks at you and sees that you are a God. The Lord is with you. And he begins to hate you. You pray a lot and you're going to mess up the things of the company. And so it was. When the man behaved more wisely, his name became highly. Esteemed. From that day, 
to this day. Even though there were a few things that David did, David's name is still highly esteemed. I believe that even in eternity, of course Jesus will be the name above all names. But I know some of the people you would like to meet in eternity, David will be one of them. You just make sure you get there. Don't play with salvation. Make sure you stick to Jesus till heaven. Men love Famous names. Men like to be known. They like their names to be talked about. They like their names to be mentioned. Prudence. It's something that does not happen in an instant. It's something you walk in. And men begin to esteem your I encourage you that when they esteem your name, you esteem Jesus' name higher than your name. That way your name will remain significant and relevant. Hallelujah. Amen. Who has learned a thing or two about being prudent? How many would say, I would like to be prudent, very prudent? Lord, we thank you for this evening. It's a joy to sit at your feet and learn things that should change our lives and learn from your word. Like we said at the beginning, your word is our portion. And we know that we do not exhaust all of the knowledge. There are many things we do not know from this word. And yet we know that you are faithful to those who know that they need you and they desire to be taught of you. And talking about prudence, the silent quality of a leader. Lord, we pray that you would make us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, encourage us and make us prudent leaders and people. That we would walk in this life cautiously and with good judgment. Not looking for things that we can snatch to take advantage of situations and people. In Jesus Christ our Lord.